Black Heart Gold Podcast, episode 72. Has anyone ever worn 72? Adam Jacoby. Uh, Epinesa, Epinesa, or maybe it's Epinesa, Epinesa. Uh, he definitely wore number 72. And uh, he, he's the uh, probably on the all-time all-name team for the Hawkeyes, especially <laughs> at defensive tackle. You know, there, there haven't been a whole lot of great names. But uh, Epinesa, Epinesa, this one's for you, buddy. <laughs> We're dedicating this one to him. Yes. <laughs> there, there's uh, our there's our image for the top of this. We're also here. we're also dedicating this one to Jim Delaney because it is by Jim Delaney's grace that we get our most hated <laughs> rival, Purdue. And uh, tonight to discuss the dastardly Reamer clubbed Boilermakers to our east, Travis Miller of Hammer and Rails. Travis, how you doing? Uh, pretty good. Isn't this kind of like the uh, Palestinians and the Israelis sitting down or uh, something like that? E- e- easy there, Hank Williams Jr. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave it to the leave it to the Purdue fan to go to immediate Palestinian joke. <laughs> well, well, if we're gonna go with seventy-two, it's gonna have the uh, Matt Light, the three-time Super Bowl champion, with the. Uh, New England Patriots. Uh, he's been protecting Tom Brady's blind side for pretty much his entire career. So, so we have him to blame. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Another reason to hate Purdue. Once again, Purdue, Giselle Bunchen's favorite school. Well, look, for for the record, it was a Purdue player that uh, injured Brady that one year uh, after they had had the perfect season. It was Bernard Pollard that uh, hurt his knee. So, and there's one of you that's redeeming then. Yeah, he, once he got out of the compound that is uh, West Lafayette, he, he decided to redeem his life. I, I appreciate that. People can change. People can grow. Uh, if I can change, you can change. Uh, we all can change. change. Yeah. yeah. I have a Bob Sanders Colts jersey that I wear to Colts games here. So Really? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, I probably have been hurt less than him in the past I was going to say, he wasn't even wearing his jersey to games most of the time. (laughs) It's funny to see the number of people that have his jersey still. Uh, Then again, you know, there are people in Indianapolis that don't believe that they had a team here until uh, Manning got here. And uh, I have a Jim Harbaugh Colts jersey as well. And they're like, Harbaugh? Who's Harbaugh? I'm like, he's in the friggin' ring of honor, for crying out loud. (laughs) Is that pronounced Harbath? Uh, I've I've never seen this word before. (laughs) But it, it's good to know that even in uh, Indianapolis and even in the NFL, there is a strong case of Northwestern syndrome. Well, I was going to say, speaking of programs that have only been around for three or four years, <laughs> Purdue football. Um, <laughs> oh, that's slow. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. It's it's hate week. We have to, to do these things. Um, so kind of an up-and-down year for, for – uh, Boiler. I guess my big question is, I know going into this year, there was a little bit of discussion of Danny Hope's kind of got to start putting it up or shutting it up. Where's his status right now? Is he actually on the hot seat, or are we 
are we guaranteed at least one more year of the, of uh, um, hope floats? <laughs> <laughs> I I think that as long as he beats Indiana next week, uh, he's fine because that would put us at at least six and six, depending on this weekend's game. Uh, he would have he would have the bucket back, and we would probably be going to a bowl somewhere. Uh, Lord knows where we'd be going at that point, but, uh, you know, I just, on the other side of things, it's not good when you have a better record against Ohio State than against the MAC, and that's, that's where <laughs> he stands right now. He's 2-1 and one against Ohio State, well, 2-0 and oh against Ohio State since last year's win was vacated by the Buckeyes. Right, true. And, and he is 1-2 uh, and two against the MAC in his career. So how do you feel about um, but probably? I mean, we we can we can assume um, that Purdue's going to beat Indiana this year, you know this this version of Indiana. So let, assuming that that's the case, and assuming that uh, you guys are getting at least one more um, season of hope, <laughs> one, <laughs> one season of hope. Uh, how does that make you feel? Are are you all right with that? Do you, do you want to see uh, more of this guy on the sidelines, or are you are you looking to blow it all up again? I'm honestly willing to give him another shot. He's got his best recruiting class, uh, probably our best recruiting class in the last five or six years lined up. Uh, you know, it's nothing great, but when you are uh, basically fighting Indiana to be not in last place in recruiting for three or four years in a row, and then you get a class that's mostly, you know, three stars. I think we have like 18 or 19 three stars, and then just only one or two two stars. Uh you know, at least we're solidly in the middle of the Big Ten, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's going forward. And it, as long as he wins one more game this year, that is also an improvement. He'll be making his first bowl game. But he's going to have to avoid, going forward, these inexplicable non-conference losses. He's had one three years in a row now. Um his first year, they lost to Northern Illinois, and you could argue that you know, Northern Illinois was a pretty good team, and we had come off a pretty emotional loss at Oregon. But last year, losing to Toledo when we had just pounded them unmercifully the season before that, mm-hmm. and especially this year, losing at Rice when Rice is you know, one of the worst teams in Division I, it, it, it's just it just astounds me that those types of games continue to happen every year. It doesn't make any sense to me. Hey, you know what we did when we had a guy who had that problem? We gave him $3.5 million a year. <laughs> and everything has worked out perfect. It's been awesome since. Um, well, I guess the, the question then becomes, um, how exactly is it that you end up playing at Rice? It was a home-and-home uh, home that we had with them, and it was, we had just not fulfilled the other end. Tiller kept pushing it back and pushing it back. The first in, the first game was uh, in 1998. It was actually Drew Brees' wow. first home game as a starter, <laughs> and it was it was my first home game as a freshman. And Hiller just kept pushing it back. I believe it was originally supposed to be in 2003, and then it got pushed to 2007, and it finally ended up here in 2011. And it was like, all right, well, we'll fulfill the contract. So. It took 13 years, and ironically, both teams won at home by two points. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> well, Purdue, I think, wins. I will give you guys this. You win the name battle this year in the Big Ten. Oh, um, really? What, Boilermakers? No, like like player names. 
I mean, okay. you have you have Akeem Hunt, which sounds like an outdoor show on the NBA channel. <laughs> um, you have Jared Crane, which is either incredibly inappropriate or totally awesome. Especially since he's a fullback. That's a fullback's name. Right. right? That's yes, a total fullback name. That's, and that's, and why, why are we pretending that awesome and inappropriate are somehow mutually exclusive all point. of a sudden? That's how we got our following, quite frankly. <laughs> um, not only do you have Akeem Hunt, but you have a second Akeem. Akeem Shavers. Shavers. Yes. <laughs> which, which, which is, is like, <laughs> the Akeem you on themed Gillette you know, commercial. That's almost uh, backfield in a porn movie. Uh, <laughs> Akeem Hunt, Akeem Shavers, and Jared Crank. And Caleb Turbush with the B capitalized in the middle of it. It's just so wonderful. Uh, let's, uh, I, I also like Logan Link. Uh, I, I think he needs to. I, he's a senior, so it's too bad he hasn't added like 30 pounds and moved to linebacker. Because I think you have to be a linebacker with a name like that. But Logan Link, his, his oh. younger brother's a walk-on, actually, Colin Link. Well, that linebacker. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not feeling Colin Link as much. Uh, Lo, Logan Link <laughs> is. It sounds like uh, he's at least going to be like a trucker when he grows up, though. <laughs> Oh, plus you have a guy named Justin Sins with a Z. Yes! Which is like extreme sinning. <gasps> Wisconsin, even. Dude, he, they, they have a guy named Justin Kitchens. <laughs> hey, hey it's, that's, that's like a line from a, uh, like a, a home improvement show. Like, we don't do bathrooms, we don't do living rooms. Justin Kitchens. <laughs> that's where we stay. And uh, also of note, Brandon Taylor is actually the son of uh, NFL Hall of Famer Lawrence Taylor. Really? So we're going to have to assume he's a character issues kind of guy. <laughs> Just sight, sight unseen. Stand-up kid, apparently. Yeah, I have no issues from him whatsoever. So I was kind of hoping you would say that he's the son of Tim the Toolman Taylor from Home Improvement. <laughs> Which would mean that you have Jonathan Taylor Thomas playing for you, but <laughs> that's just me. Um, have you have you seen that that guy recently? Like, have you seen the pictures of the the home improvement reunion? No. Uh uh-uh. uh Oh, JTT doesn't look like he's had a really good last decade or so. <laughs> the, the the ship sailed on that guy, and I'm I'm talking to someone who hasn't had a really great decade either. But I mean, you know. Shipwreck recognized shipwreck, <laughs> and uh, that's full-blown on his part there. You mean giving a teenager in the uh, <laughs> mid-90s several million dollars was a bad idea? <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's let's talk about all these wonderfully named players. Um, quarterback. Uh, Turbush has been the primary player, but Marv's been getting some snaps lately. What are we going to see? Saturday. I mean, is it still going to be, you know, three to one to Bush or? He, Danny Hope seems to be hell bent on keeping up this quarterback rotation, and strangely enough, it's actually working uh, a little bit. The explanation that I've seen tossed around is that Turbush does best on those first few plays of the games that are totally scripted. You know, you script out ten or fifteen plays. And he's been very effective on the first drive of games. I mean, he was even effective up at uh, Wisconsin. We were only down 14-10 before the wheels totally came off. And then Marv usually comes in about midway through the second quarter. And after that, I think we just tend to go with who's got the hotter hand. 
The only game uh, since Marv has been playing that Turbush finished completely was the Illinois game. Uh, but Marv, you know, he was hot last week against Ohio State. It was good to see him come back after his just abysmal interception and win that game. But Turbush has had his moments, too. He led a game-winning drive against Middle Tennessee State, which, yeah, it's yes. Middle Tennessee freaking <laughs> State, but it's still a fourth-quarter game-winning drive. And the very next week at Rice, he took us down the field and at least got us in position to win the game before we got our field, our game-winning field goal blocked. So, Yeah, that yeah. should have been a win for you guys. If it it really should have been. And if, they, if we have better blocking, then it is a win. It's a one-point win, but it's a win. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we, we know a little bit about uh, one-point wins against uh, highly inferior competition and how that, that doesn't really, uh, you know, necessarily um, mean thing, bad things are going to happen. So um, only we were the ones that blocked the kick, and it was 2009, and it was Northern Illinois, or uh, Northern Iowa. Um, so, so how do you feel about this team? Like, like... Uh, I know you can't assume, like, you know, hey, if that's a win that we're 6-4, and because probably the season takes uh, in some way a different trajectory, whether it's better or worse. But um, are, are you thinking that uh, this is this should be about a six-win team? Are they, are they um, overachieving or underachieving in your eyes, or what do you think? I was thinking about six or seven wins when the season started. Obviously, I was... I was putting the Rice game as one that we should have won, but I was also thinking the Illinois game was a loss because we got beaten pretty badly by Illinois last year in Champaign. Mm -hmm. And uh, those are really the only two games that I've been off on. And I even predicted Ohio State as a win because I can't figure it out. No one seems to be able to figure it out, but we just, for whatever reason, we own them when they come to West Lafayette. They've lost four of their last six games now. Should be five of their last. It should be five of their last six, except for that holy Buckeye play in two thousand two, and mm-hmm. nowhere else in the conference have they even lost three times. So you know, I felt that we had a really good chance because I thought they were going to have a bit of a down year, and even coming into the last week's game, I knew that if we concentrated on the running game and forced them to throw, they don't have a passing game, and so I honestly felt that. I honestly felt we had a better shot of beating Ohio State than we did of Iowa because you guys are more balanced. Speaking of balance, the the numbers on the offense are very unPurdue like. Um, we're almost right down the middle as far as as rushing and passing go. Obviously, it helps to have Terbush in there because he he does run a little bit. But um, is it is this? The inevitable Danny Hope philosophy that he's finally kind of turned them from the old uh, uh, Philadelphia cream cheese spread over to uh, – I was hoping <laughs> Jacoby would laugh at that – over to uh, uh, kind of a more pro-style attack, or at least a more balanced attack. I think so, because that's what he had his first year, even with um – Joey Elliott at quarterback, we had, you know, Bolden, Ralph Bolden nearly had a thousand yard season that year and probably would have had it if he had not gotten hurt before the Indiana game. And I think he had one carry against Indiana. And, you know, there was a lot of balance on that team. You know, we ran the ball pretty well, but Elliott also threw very well. Then last year you have everybody except me getting a chance at quarterback because of injury. 
and also everybody except me getting a chance at running back because of injury. I, I mean, you know, Dan Derking, love the kid, love his attitude, but uh, when he's your starting running back in the Big Ten, it's not a good sign. Right, right. Um, do you think the uh, the next step is up next year? I think so because, you know, I, I look at next year's schedule and, again, you look at your non-conference games. We have a trip to Notre Dame where we almost never win, but you have three very winnable non-conference games, and and I think we play Marshall. Um, Eastern Kentucky is our designated 1AA opponent, and there's some other Macrofice team in there. I'm not sure who, but, you know, you look at a MAC team, Marshall, and a 1AA team, you're thinking, okay, you have to win those three games. And then the reverse in the Big Ten, we get Indiana at home, we go to, to Minnesota, we go to Illinois. You know, the Big Ten slate really isn't even that bad with Michigan and with Michigan and Wisconsin coming to our place and at Ohio State probably being the worst. Yeah, that that seems pretty uh, manageable. Uh, the only thing that I'd uh, warn you about is uh, since he's retired from the NFL, uh, Randy Moss is actually allowed to go back to Marshall. So you guys are going to have a lot on your hands uh, next year, assuming that he's, um, you know, not um, self-medicating. With are they going to get white chocolate Jason Williams back, too? <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a question for you. Is Justin Siller ever going to graduate? Uh, he's he's supposed to graduate this year. Uh, he was he missed the entire 2009 season because he got he got caught cheating on a test and was kicked out of school by the university. So that's how he lost an entire year of eligibility. And then last year, what's he wrong was, with that? <laughs> And then last year he came back but was hurt most of the year. So this is kind of the first that he's been totally healthy and playing since he was a redshirt freshman in 08. What's to be said for that? Yeah, he, I mean, he hasn't really done a whole lot, though. I mean, he's caught 40 passes. He's, he's been sufficiently good. And we uh, we do run him out of the Wildcat occasionally now, too. Oh, God. And because he's a former quarterback, you know he's at least a threat to throw. Right. Well, in, insofar as Marvin McNutt is a threat to throw, too. No, because they actually have creativity on offense. Oh, that's right. My yes, fault. We do? Compared to us, yes, you do. Believe me. <laughs> okay, then. I'll take your word for it. Um, defensively, what should we be looking for from Purdue? I mean, obviously, the big hole going into this year was on the defensive line, considering that you lost the best player in the conference. Um, where should we be looking to uh, to exploit the Purdue defense, I can't figure out this year's defense. I really can't. They have been playing so much better at home, but then in our road games, they're pretty awful. I mean, they had a good second half at Rice, but again, that's Rice. Uh, it, in conference, however, got shredded at Wisconsin, got shredded at Michigan. Even Penn State moved the ball pretty well when they were still trying to figure out their uh, quarterback situation. <laughs> yeah, like 23 Penn State points is about 45 other Big Ten team points. <laughs> yeah, and I drove all the way to Penn State for that game, so that was really fun to uh, oh, watch just, uh, totally blow that game on special teams. But yeah, uh, that was rough. At, at home, we're better. Uh, Kawan Short on the defensive line uh, – 
just a beastly, beastly tackle. He was actually named National Defensive Player of the Week because he sacked Braxton Miller three times last week. And uh, we've been pretty good against running quarterbacks. We contained Nathan Shellhays. We contained Miller fairly well. And uh, Ricardo Allen, our cornerback, uh, he needs one more touchdown return or interception return for a touchdown to break uh, some guy named Rod Woodson's school record for most interceptions returned for touchdown. I, I can't remember what Woodson never did, but uh, yeah, I think he, he's a one and done in the NFL. Yeah, that's what I thought. He was the son of Wood. <laughs> um, so, so let me ask you about uh, the, the they, they call him Rico Allen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is is he just going to be matched up exclusively on McNutt, or do you guys use him more creatively? Well, I think we use him a little bit more creatively because we tried using matching him up one on one with uh, Michael Floyd for Notre Dame, and it was an absolute freaking disaster. Um, but Floyd. <laughs> is a hell of a receiver, and McNutt's a hell of a receiver, too, so I think you'll see a little bit more help, especially since McNutt is, you know, a guy that's the first option on every passing play. So, you know, I think it'll help in that, you know, Allen is good, but you'll see him, you know, kind of move a little bit all over the place. And, um, but he's legit, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he, he has uh, six career interceptions now. Three of them he's returned for a touchdown. The uh, the special teams, the kicking looks a little suspect. Uh, it's the field goal kicking, I should say. Uh, well, Carson Wiggs, he's had, he's had at least one block this year. He had a pretty bad day at Penn State, but he's got a heck of a leg on him. He hit a 67-yard field goal in the spring game. And I, I couldn't believe that he hit that. So last week when we had the, a pretty good win behind us, we were legitimately thinking that a 65-67 game-winning attempt was in play. And then Marv threw an interception. But, you know, he, he's got a heck of a leg. And then on kickoffs, uh, we have a freshman by the name of Raheem Mostert who has really come into his own of late and has been a heck of a kickoff returner. And I think it's not a matter of if but when he breaks one for a touchdown. Yeah, he leads the Big Ten. He he's averaging uh, over thirty. Uh, it's actually thirty one point twenty two yards. And and you're saying he hasn't even broken one for a score? He's come close. He got he took one about seventy yards back against Penn oh, State, okay. down to about the eight. They got him, and then he had another really good one against Wisconsin two weeks ago that I think got it down to the twelve or something. Oh, okay, okay, so. The, the, there, there are some some high uh, end things. I, I I was just trying to figure out if he was like legitimately getting like thirty a pop every time because he, that would be. He's starting to because uh, he last week when after Ohio State scored they squib kicked it. He got it at the ten and took it down to about the forty to uh, give us pretty good field position with fifty seconds left. So hmm. now as as a an invader of West Lafayette for this weekend. Um, I guess my first question is, what do I, what do I need to know about surviving the onslaught of of all the Purdue people? And and, and two, where's my best chance of seeing the Reamer Club? 
<laughs> the, the Reamer Club is actually the group that takes care of the Boilermaker specials. So Bullshit. Guys, Bullshit. Yes, it, yes, it is. They, they are the group that takes care of the Boilermaker specials. So if you see the special, you'll find the Reamer Club. Can I hear the special? Do they have like is it is it like a normal train whistle? Yeah, they yes, it's a full train whistle. I've taken a ride on it before. It's uh, the, the, street legal, and they drive it around campus on game days. The I, I've heard that the that the special goes woo woo. Yeah, <laughs> that's they, only they, in the morning. They, they <laughs> Y'all making waffles or something. They drive it to games too. Uh, I've passed it on the highway going to road games, so they'll take it to almost any big. How game. do you drive it to a game? It's street legal. It is totally street is legal. Is supposed to be a train? Oh, it's built on a truck chassis, and this summer oh they had God. a massive renovation of it to now, or refurbishment of it to where it now can get up to like seventy-five miles an hour, I think, uh, on the highway. <laughs> I gotta tell you, putting a train on a truck chassis is just about the most redneck middle of Indiana <laughs> engineering thing I've ever heard. Of. Uh, well, we also have the extra special, which is on a golf cart chassis. Oh, good lord! You're making that up. Can no, you take I'm that not. out for a quick eighteen. <laughs> That's the, the the extra special actually leads the team out on the field and then they'll wheel it into Mackey Arena for basketball games. <laughs> hey, by the way, congratulations on beating High Point by two. <laughs> yeah, I, I, if that keeps up, I'm going to be dead by Christmas because I I'm I can't take football and basketball giving me heart attacks within the same week. My heart needs rest. You guys almost lost to like really potent beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds more like a low point to me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm just gonna hang up now. So, so are there places in West Lafayette where we should be going, or should we just immediately get back on the bus and head back to Chicago? Uh, the village has a lot of good bars. Uh, you know, it has your typical brothers, which is unique to every Big Ten campus, I believe. Right. And uh, my my favorite is Harry's, honestly, uh, on the corner of on State Street. And it's uh, right near the edge of the village. It's uh, your, your typical hole-in-the-wall college bar, but, man, it's uh, it's a special place with the uh, popcorn that all it does is make you want to drink more. Oh, yeah. It's the oh, kind yeah. of popcorn. Just like, um, oh, what's that place right across the street from um, the column? Murphy's? Nicky's. Nicky's, that's it, yeah. That extra salty popcorn, you're like, oh, that... that basket of it was good. Now I need eight beers. In yeah, it, Harry's Chocolate Shop was originally a speakeasy. I think it opened in 1919, and I think they last cleaned the popcorn machine in 1921. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you uh, if you want someone to invent a new one, you do have Antavian Edison. <laughs> hey, we've got Orville Redenbacher. We know popcorn. God, that's right, He's you do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he was he all of your all of your famous people are dead. <laughs> Neil Armstrong is Neil dead. Armstrong's dead. Yeah, he, we Perfect. left them on the moon. People don't know that. <laughs> yeah, while well, he was finding the Transformers, I know. But yeah. like somebody told me the other day they they gave me the wholly inappropriate joke of Neil Armstrong flew to the moon and Niall Kinnick couldn't fly to the airstrip. <laughs> Neil Armstrong didn't even fly that thing. <laughs> That's, That's a bullshit funny. joke. <laughs> it's actually really funny. It's a bullshit joke. Yeah, Orville Redenbacher was found dead in his hot tub, and you know what? I bet it was with five strippers. Probably. I, I bet mean, that hot tub was filled with popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> 
and he was only in his bow tie. <laughs> of a better way to go. How you doing, bitches? <laughs> <laughs> Want to try my popcorn? Uh, that's what he said. Uh, I, I don't know. know. I don't so, know. Um, can we can we also talk about? Uh, can we go back to special teams? Just so no, we've uh, already moved past that. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back, and there's there's a very specific reason. Punt returner, Waynell Gravasande. What? Great Sandy. Grave Sandy? Grave Sandy. Yes. Yes, I heard <laughs> that, that the other day. That, that can't be the right <laughs> way to pronounce that. that ugh, you can't put the, you can't put the um, silent E in the middle of a word. It's not Grave Sandy. No way. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he, he was named after Orville Redenbacher's grave. <laughs> hey. Hey, you been to Redenbacher's grave? Pretty Sandy. Sandy. Wow. Grave Sandy. Yeah, I don't know. Um. Yeah. How is how is Grave Sandy as a punt returner? Uh, not a threat. He's yeah. basically back there because he's the most reliable person to actually catch the ball. We we tried Ricardo. We we tried Ricardo Allen out there, and I was all excited at the beginning of the season because they said all summer is like, oh, Allen's going to be returning punts. I'm like, yes, this is great. First punt return of the season, fumbled it. Hasn't returned one since. I wish we did that every once in a while. <laughs> What fumbled it? No, we just we, we keep sending the same guy out there to fumble it over and over again. Well, at, at, at least usually he doesn't even bother catching it. I mean, it's gotten so bad that even Waterloo Chaz can't support Ferentz anymore. You notice this? It's pretty bad. You seen this? You heard about this? You heard about this? Hey, you heard about this? It's, it's the Jay Leno podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, Travis, prediction for the weekend. Uh, I think we're going to get a pretty close game. I know you guys are. Uh, Pretty evenly balanced team, and uh, Coker and McNutter, you know, I think it's a quality versus quantity thing, whereas you guys have the two best players at receiver and running back, but we just have a host of guys that get carries. I mean, we get, you know, six, seven, eight guys that'll carry with the ball, and, you know, five, six, seven guys that'll catch a pass. So, uh, because of that, I think it'll be close, but given your history on the road this year, I think we pull it out and get the win uh, just because we're we're a different team at home this year and you guys seem to be a different team on the road and that helps us. Jacoby. Um, yeah, the the fact that it's in Purdue uh, gives me... <laughs> it's uh, in Purdue. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, that's right. You, you guys call it West Lafayette. You, you guys named it after... You, you, you named your... Um, Actually, we're your playing the... We're playing this game inside Will Purdue. <laughs> I, I thought that they were they were they were naming it after the, the the French word for lost, which is also Purdue. Perdue. Um. Anyway, the the, the fact that it's being played at Ross WB Stadium, um, kind of kind of freaks me out a little bit. Uh. And and I'm I'm not. Um. Yeah. What I what I'm worried about is uh that. I was going to come out flat again, like usual, and uh, e- even though we're not talking about, you know, a, a, a Beaver Stadium or a, or a um, Horseshoe, you know, Ohio Stadium, uh, in terms of atmosphere, and I'm not saying that to be insulting, but I mean we, you know, facts is fact. Um, I, I think Iowa can find itself down, you know, 13 to zero, uh, 14 to zero, pretty early. Uh, before the guys really even wake up, and then um, 
all of a sudden you, you start to see Iowa get a little more one-dimensional, and uh, that that's not really uh, a recipe for success. Uh, pit game, be damned. So, um, that said, I, I still think that there's a little bit more talent uh, on the Iowa roster. So, um, provided that they, um, you know, come out swinging in the first half and uh, don't take the first quarter off, uh, I, I think that UCI will win this game by about four to seven points. It'll be tough. I, I think it's going to be a four-quarter game either way. Agreed. I, I've been wrong about this team every time I've predicted a game this year. Um, Th- that's right. You, you've, you've got us going four and six. So. Right, exactly. Um, and I had us losing to Tennessee Tech. <laughs> no, it's tough. Way off. <laughs> up until last week, Iowa hadn't lost a game by more than 10 points since, wait for it, 2007 at Purdue. Um, and that game was awful. Yeah, it was. But, um, I, you know, we're such a terrible road team that, and I'm, and I'm hoping against all hope again that, that I'm, I'm wrong completely, but I don't see it being really even that close. I think Iowa loses by probably two scores. Um, you know that they're favored by three, right? Oh, yes, I know. <laughs> That's why I'm going to put the mortgage on Purdue and then lose the house. <laughs> well, uh, the, the last time any of us were sandbagging Iowa that badly, I said that Michigan was going to run it up in Kinnick, and uh, yeah. that, that's exactly what happened, right? But you, but you know what? Here's exactly the point, and you, you put a, the nail on it right there, Jacoby, when you said it, we're just expecting Iowa to not show up for the first quarter. Um, by the time they wake up, it's going to be fourteen nothing, and I, I don't think that there's enough motivation here when you're going between six and six and seven and five, when everybody seems to believe you're going to the same bowl game no matter what. Um, I, I I think Purdue wins this like twenty four fourteen, yeah, twenty eight seventeen something like that. I can see that. Um, maybe Jared Void steps back onto the field for one more thrashing of the Hawkeyes right. for old time's sake. Whatever the hell happened to him? He, he messed the Hawks up one year, and then he was like, he was like, I must go back to my home planet now. What happened to Jared Void? Answer me that. I have no idea. He disappeared. Uh, when was his senior year? Shoot. Nobody knows! <laughs> I think... I think he graduated in 2003, and that was probably, in my opinion, that was Tiller's best team, was 2003. Yeah, you're right. And that, Because that had the most balance between offense and defense. They just had the unfortunate circumstance of having to go to Michigan, Ohio State, and Wisconsin in the same season. Yeah, that's that's brutal. And that was also, the, that was the toughest Big Ten in a decade. Yeah. yeah. That, that year was went, vicious. They went 9-3, and three and... One of their losses was to friggin' Bowling Green on the opening day of the season by a point. Oh, fun times. Well, anyway, I'm taking 28-17. That's, that, that's where we're all set. Okay. And, um, and, uh, I, I, I'm taking 24-20 uh, Iowa, but on the, on the condition that Iowa scores first. If Purdue scores first, uh, I think you're going to be closer uh, to, the, to the final score. Well, I, I'm predicting blood in the streets from the hatred of this rivalry. That's right. Yeah, yeah. See, that's the thing that that no one's really talking about. All the fans will be kicked out of the stadium by the end of the third quarter because of the, the of the bloodshed. 
the the officials are going to be like, you know what, enough's enough. I'm I'm seeing knifings and shootings and. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be like when FIFA orders two teams to play in an empty stadium. Right, right, exactly. Ross uh, just killed the guy with a trident. <laughs> flares going off in the in the stands, you know. It's like hell out there. Get the players out of here, damn it. Uh, my dad's a 59-year-old pharmacist in the club section, but he will fight to the death in this game. I know it, so. Yeah, it's the, it's the Hills versus the Lawsons all over again. <laughs> Decoration Day? Hello? Anybody? Anyway? Okay, I, I, fine. I got, I got you. Okay, good. I'm with you. All right. Um, well, we'll remind everybody, obviously, Hammer and Rails, the, uh, the, the blog of our most hated rival. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Travis, thanks for being on the show. We wish you the absolute worst of luck, both now and every other day for the rest of your horrible Purdue life. <laughs> and uh, I, I thank you from the bottom of my cold, bitter, hating heart. Uh, <laughs> we, we don't want your thanks. Right, we, we don't want your damn thanks. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs>